Hello there and welcome back to another Friday night for another edition of Not Your Average Globetrotter. Of course, as always, I'm Rafael Di Furia, back again to talk more about life abroad, living abroad, living abroad as an Italian dual citizen expat. And this week, I was realizing that it's been, I guess, a bit more, just a little bit more than six months since I moved to Portugal. And I know that there are some people who are interested in this topic of what it's like living here. And during these six months, I've had a lot of time to think and reflect and be able to compare and contrast between my experiences in Italy versus my experiences here. But in this video specifically, I kind of wanted to share as somebody who's moved to Portugal, where my headspace is kind of at. But just before we get too much deeper into this episode, be sure that you subscribe with the notification bell turned on. And if you could also give this video a like and share it with your friends, that would be very greatly appreciated because it does help out the channel. But of course, a huge, huge thank you to those of you who helped to make these episodes possible through rafaeldifuria.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash rafaeldifuria. Thank you all so much for the monthly support to help this project to be able to continue. Also, thank you as well to the one-time donators, as well as to those of you who've purchased the shirts, mugs, onesies, and more. And also, actually, just a quick shout out to YouTube because they have just enabled a, the thanks button here on this channel on YouTube. So if you feel as though any of this content has ever helped you in the past, you can go ahead and click that thanks button if you feel like donating one time. And so, yeah, anyway, I think it's about time we get into this episode, so roll that intro. So, of course, after six months now, I really am very much feeling like I have settled into more of a rhythm of sorts. Like, after a little while, it didn't take very long to feel like I had kind of figured out what it was, my kind of routine, so to speak, the shops that I like. Of course, I'm still very early on into my experience here specifically in Braga. I know other parts of the country better than I know here. But here in Braga, I'm still finding those shops or the, the place where I want to go get something from or another thing from. But it's nice because it's not such a huge city that like you can't find these things. There's, these exist. And it's not such a small place that they don't exist. You, you have them here. So that's been really awesome to have here. But in this whole process of getting life back to some semblance of normal, just like kind of figuring out an everyday thing. I've been really enjoying having the ability to explore this new place, to go to different places like Porto, for example. I haven't done much traveling since being back here in Portugal, but it's great to have that ability. I'm already starting to think of different places that I want to go and things I would like to see and check out visit, revisit, and places to even bring you guys along with me in those episodes, because there's really a lot to do and see here. Because Portugal is such a small country, it actually makes it really easy to get around. I'm not going to say, like for me, someone without a car, it's like a breeze to get everywhere. But there are a lot of places, like especially the main cities, that are very, very easy to get to by train. But one thing I do also want to mention, I've briefly talked about this before, but it's how kind, warm, and friendly the Portuguese are. The, the locals from here, especially when you're trying to make a little bit of an effort to speak the language, there is this level of patience, like I feel like maybe I've never seen before in my life, that there's an understanding that the language 
maybe isn't the easiest language and that people do struggle with it. But also on top, I mean, you do find a lot of people here who will automatically switch over to English if they do hear that you are struggling. So even though, of course, like I'm trying to speak Portuguese all the time, it's nice that I can fall back on some English when necessary. There are some people that kind of push for English speaking interactions, but I'm very grateful for even I've seen since being here, I've heard about people like being on the side of a street with a map in their hands and uh, a Portuguese person coming over to them and saying, hey, are you looking for something? And they're headed in one direction, but the other direction that the people need to go is in the opposite direction. But this person stops everything that they're doing, goes, walks 10 minutes out of their way to make sure the people not only get in the direction they need to go, but get to the door that they need to go to. I mean, that to me is like really really amazing. I've really seen a lot of people go out of their way. Uh, for others, myself, I mean, it's really, I just, I don't know quite how to express it, but it's something that I've spoken about with other people who are from other countries here, that the Portuguese are just so welcoming and helpful that it, they make it an easier transition into a life abroad. And again, this is not something that I can say I've seen in a lot of countries. But what I will say is that because I have been here for such a short time, I mean, for some people that maybe are digital nomads and they hear six months in one place, whoa, that's such a long time. In reality, it's not that much at all. It's just a blink of an eye. But I would say, yeah, there's definitely some part of me that's not quite in the honeymoon phase because I've already I've gotten to know the realities of Portugal in the past. Like this is not necessarily something new to me, but I am in the stage where everything is still fresh and new. And, and maybe at some point, certain things might wear off just a little bit. But again, it's a country that I'm a bit familiar with. So I can say, though, that when it comes to certain things, I'm not necessarily shocked about them. Maybe in the same way that someone who would have this being their first experience would be, but there are maybe some little things that are a little bit interesting about how things can work in Portugal. For example, even in a city in this country, you may find apartments that are just not set up with a gas line for heating, for like your water boiler or for your stovetop, whatever it may be, but they are set up with electric. So, I mean, for example, my apartment is set up completely on electric, so I didn't have to think about gas but there are some people because they're living in a building that's not set up with gas they have to keep in mind that they need to order a gas can to get delivered or that they have to pick one up every so often so that they can have hot water or that they can have uh, even the ability to boil water on a stovetop all coming back to water. It's very important to have that ability. Like I said, in my apartment, it wasn't something that I'd necessarily thought about because my apartment's fully on electric. But when I'm talking about like these gas canisters, I'm talking about something like that might not be too far off from what you would expect to put into a grill. Like that's kind of what I'm talking about here. Maybe slightly different shape for those of you who are coming from the US, but similar idea that you have to hook up the line and turn it on the whole thing like you would for a uh, outdoor barbecue. Another thing that is definitely been taking some getting used to, and this is not something unique to Portugal, but in my last apartment when I was in Italy, we had a very big water boiler, so we didn't necessarily have to worry about a shower getting cold. In the apartment I'm in now, 
the water boiler the tank is very very small so <laughs> a nice decent length hot shower not as realistic so this is something that you may want to take into consideration if you are thinking about moving here look at the water heater is it a small little something or is it pretty big definitely not like what you would find maybe in some homes in the states where they have this thing probably almost the same height as you are that just holds gallons upon gallons upon gallons of water and almost feels like it never runs out of enough hot water so that has been something that's been um, interesting to get used to especially in an apartment that's shared with other people but another thing that i wanted to just quickly touch on that i mentioned in a past episode um, I'll put it up in the corner of this video here on YouTube. So if you're listening to this as an audio-only podcast, come on over to YouTube. I'll have the link up in the corner in this section. And in that, and in that episode, I spoke about how, for me, the NHR, the non-habitual residency whole system, didn't totally make sense for the type of work that I do and with how I'm set up. Uh, for my work to be able to run. So I opened up a company instead. So I'm still not into the first full year having done taxes and all that stuff yet. But what I can say up until this point, having a company in Portugal has been actually pretty easy to deal with once I got everything set up. I've got my accountant that, I mean, it's required by law. You have to have an, an accountant who is there to manage kind of the monthly goings on i guess it's whatever not even worth getting into but there have been things like i mean with any business for example you need to keep your receipts but with having a company you have to make sure that you have those receipts reported and recorded and so there are different ways of doing that and so having to scan things in and make sure that there's a copy of it that can get a little bit annoying, but this is something you really have to do anywhere. So it's not that big of a deal. But there's the little kind of back end things that, yeah, you have to be tracking your expenses and having all the idea of what goes on and how things work. I mean, there are some really big benefits. Like, for example, because I have this small company, that if I have to buy any supplies that are related to my commercial activities, that is something that will end up benefiting me. If I buy it from here in Portugal, from what I understand, I'll get the tax back maybe either, either as a refund or as a credit at a later date. Or what's really nice, especially like I was saying, being kind of in this small business category, having the ability to order from another European country means that they take off the VAT upon checkout. You don't have to do anything special other than put in your company's tax code. So in that case, you end up not having to spend sales tax, which can be a significant amount of money. So this is another reason why I think it's really interesting if a person is moving to Portugal to consider that factor, especially if you do have expenses, like how I do. I mean, I don't rent out an office space, I work from home, but I do still have things that I have to pay for on a monthly basis. So in the end, I do see that there is a huge benefit to that because at the end of the day, it really does make a very significant difference. But there's another thing that i would say especially having spent the past two years in italy and having gone through everything and this whole global situation in italy 
being here in Portugal, it feels as though things are a lot more relaxed, but normal, but not normal. Even when I got here, one of the first things I noticed was that in Italy, maybe people weren't so so stringent about how they were wearing the mask, maybe below the nose or whatever. But social distancing was very much a thing, at least where I lived, that people very much adhered to. Whereas here in Portugal, when I first arrived, I was noticing everybody was very much using their masks, but barely any social distancing at all. But now that we can be outside and even go into stores, into malls, into shops, into restaurants without masks, it's kind of strange to me after this whole time that I have this, this instinct that, oh, I'm walking inside, I need to make sure something is on, especially because of how fines were carried out in Italy for not having one with you or not wearing one because even like just going on a regular shopping trip to the supermarket because even in Italy like even if you had your mask on I had, had experiences where people would still like security guards still come up make sure that you're wearing your mask and everything's being um, attended to and really really attended to every time when I walk into someplace here now after my experience in Italy it's kind of like am I doing something wrong what's happening here like are they looking are they going to look at me to make sure but like no it's just it's normal it's you go in you do your thing back to some semblance of normal other than I believe at hospitals that it would be required to have one there are medical clinics but in most situations it's not quite required but then another thing like there's like kind of little cultural things like i can't remember if i've mentioned this in an earlier episode like when i first got here to portugal but i've had difficulties transitioning to being in a country where gesticulation is not as much of a part of the language like in italy if you don't gesticulate, if you don't understand how they gesticulate, if you don't understand the system, you miss a huge part of communication. Like people can say one thing with their mouth, but they give you the context with their hands. I mean, it's really, if you are thinking about moving to Italy, very, very much worthwhile to start. Like there's some great videos on YouTube even where you can start getting the basics of them. In all the videos about Italian gestures, they always say, oh, like delicious. But like, this is something you would only really do like with a child. You don't go like you're sitting there with your friends after a long day at the office. Like, oh, yes, this is delicious. This is quite, quite good. No, it's like, oh, wow, it's yummy. No, that's like how you would say to a child. So there are those little things that you do have to take into consideration and that some gestures could be considered rude. <laughs> That's another one to keep in mind, but that I can't necessarily use some of the things that I know can help me get my point across if I don't have the words. There were a few moments of frustration with that, that like when I first got here, like maybe it was the first day or two, there was some word I couldn't remember, but I knew how to gesticulate for it in Italian. But the guy behind the counter had no clue what was going on. He's like, who's this guy doing the hokey pokey? Or even like here in Portugal, something that I've noticed is that I've seen a lot of people jaywalk here. But in Italy, I don't feel as though I saw that so much, especially in the areas I lived up north. It just didn't really seem like a thing. And even I remember 
uh, seeing people jaywalking, like foreigners jaywalking, and it- and I would see Italians reacting to this. Oh, how could they do such a thing? <laughs> but here it just seems like kind of a normal thing. Maybe it's just some of the places where I was, but something that I can say I've definitely noticed since being here. But one other subject that I wanted to just jump into before ending this episode is about getting around. Specifically here in Braga, it is super, super convenient. I've been surprised sometimes. I'm not going to say it's always perfect, but there's a great little bus system here that's got a number of different lines to get you to all over. I mean, say for example, you need to get to Ikea. There's actually even a free bus that goes there during the week. It's a mall, it's a bus that goes to the mall over there. Um, but in general, buses are very cheaper, especially if you get a prepaid card and, and charge reload it before uh, you actually get on the bus. That's a very important point. And even then, for getting around to most places, maybe during peak hours, maybe one time I've had to pay, for example, like seven euros for a XL from, I, I forget if it was Bolt or Uber, but there was another time where I was with six other people, five other people, and we had to take a, an Uber to get to where we were going. And between us, five people, six people, whatever it was, it was super convenient and actually ended up being very cost-effective to get where we were trying to go, even during peak hours. But then you also have scooters here, and I'm not one of those people that wants to be one of those gosh darn millennials zipping around on the scooters, getting in everybody's way and weaving through crowds and so on. But for the first time in my life, I did decide to give these a try and to see about, okay, is this something that could work for me to help get around? And I would say, in some situations, if you're just going a short distance, it's semi-worthwhile, but it's definitely very bumpy here. I believe I mentioned that in the last episode, walking around here in Braga, also talking about things here. But definitely there's that level of convenience. If you're going a further distance, and I'm saying further distance by like maybe in a car, like less than 10 minutes to get across the city, it doesn't take all that long. But if you're going maybe a little bit of what in Braga could be a further distance. Taking a scooter wouldn't make as much sense in that case just because some of the normal trips around the city that I've taken don't cost much more than, say, 350 360 370 unless it's peak hours, then that's a different case. But even then... <laughs> It still can be quite worthwhile. And I mean, it's really amazing in comparison with other places, the price for getting around here. Even if you do take a taxi, and taxis do cost more, that's something just to keep in mind. But it's still, I would say, reasonable in comparison to a lot of other places. It's almost to the point where it's unbelievable that these prices can exist, especially with fuel costing as much as it does. But it works. So as somebody without a car here, it makes it very convenient to get around in this small little city. But again, will I say it's perfect? No. There have been a couple times where getting a ride maybe isn't always the easiest thing. You might have to wait a little while and depends on how central you are uh, in, within the city that they may want to pick you up or might not want to pick you up during what time of day. There was once or twice that I've had to take an Uber very late at night and there were Ubers available in the middle of the night. So. 
this kind of thing can happen if you say have a night out and you do want an easier way of getting home if you're tired but anyway this is where i'm going to round things out for this episode so thank you so much for joining me for another episode of course a huge 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 thank you to those of you who helped to make these episodes possible through the monthly donations through patreon through the one-time donations through paypal or the thanks button now here on youtube as well as the purchases of the shirts, mugs, onesies, and more. And of course, if you found this episode helpful or enjoyed it in any way, please be sure to leave a like, subscribe, and share it with your friends because it very much helps the channel. Again, as always, I'm Rafael Di Furia. Stay safe and healthy out there, and I will see you all next time in the next episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter. All right, later.